So I'm the director of global and community ministries. That's a really long title, so people usually refer to me as the missions guy, or as my two-year-old will say, the missions dude. So that's me. And uh, most people think that uh, a lot of my job is glamorous. So I get to travel around the world on behalf of you guys and sometimes with you. And uh, they, they, they see that as quite glamorous to travel to all these places around the world. And I kind of chuckle to myself, and I hope for the day that they'll sign up to go on a mission trip with me. Uh, because in 2013, I spent 105 hours on a plane. So, you, Joe, hey, what does missions look like? Here's what it looks like. Trying to eat my food, you know, staring at a little screen for 11 hours in a row. And uh, so, yeah, most of those flights were long-haul flights over eight hours or more. But uh, it is a joy for me. And so in March of 2013, I took a group of you guys to Harmi, Nepal. Ty was talking about that. And so how do we get to Nepal? We got to fly from Chicago O'Hare to London. That's like seven and a half hours. So that's a good, nice, long flight. Get you warmed up. Okay, and it's about halfway through that flight. We're in the middle of the ocean. Someone looks down and they're like, oh, we're only halfway there. And that's when they turn to me and they're like, okay, now I get it. I get what you're saying about it not being so glamorous. And, uh, but then you get to London, lay over there, try to hang out for a little while, tired. Then you catch a flight to Doha, Qatar. Qatar is in the Middle East. Uh, their new airport is supposed to be ridiculously fantastic, but there in 2013, it was like a bus stop, um, filled with people in the middle of the night. We had nine hour layover, like all night long. So it's not like we could like just get out and go to the city or something like that. It's like, middle of the night. I didn't know anyone there. So they don't have chairs like they do at Bethel where, you know, they're nice and cushioned and there's no armrest. So you can just lay out across five of them. They all have armrests. So what does that mean for nine hours? I'm just laying on the floor trying to catch some Z's. So yeah, super glamorous. So, so there we are in Doha. We finally get on the plane. Another flight to Kathmandu, the capital of Nepal. Finally get there. You think that's done? Oh, not done yet. Then we get into a, a truck. We jam in there. I'm in the middle, middle. Jammed in, I got my bags under my feet, bags to the side, big sweaty guys on either side. It's hot. And uh, we're on these cra- crazy, curvy, mountainous roads. We're like, whoa, you know, like curving around the mountain. Ramesh, our driver, is talking on the cell phone, texting, uh, looking up stuff on the internet, swerving in between traffic because that's how they drive there. So uh, there I am. I haven't slept in like two days because I don't sleep very well on planes. Uh, maybe I picked the wrong career, but so... I'm sitting there again. This is the position of missions, sitting there like this, jammed together, diesel fumes coming in. It's hot. I'm sweating. And I got a whole day's journey ahead of me. And I'm filled with just inexpressible joy. And I turn to Ty and I say, Ty, today's one of the most significant days of my life. Now, why in the world would I say that in the middle of a 48-hour travel binge, jammed into a truck, smelling diesel fumes, sweaty, swervy mountain roads? Because I know at the end of that journey no matter how long or how treacherous it is, awaits a village that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That they're one of the red dots up there on the map, unreached. And that we have a part, by God's grace, in what he's doing to bring them to himself. So for me, a great privilege. I felt in that moment, in the heart of God, a great, great joy to me. But many people hear the call to mission as an additional burden. They're like, ooh, Mission Sunday. Man, we should have jetted when we had the chance. Uh, Because they hear it as another thing to add to their already busy and extremely hectic schedule. You might say to yourself, man, that's a great story, Joey, uh, but I don't have the time. Or I don't know how, or I don't even know where to start. 
Many people see mission as a duty or an obligation. But the disciples received the mission from Christ with great joy and great passion. And so what was different about those disciples that made the mission a joy or a grace upon grace, I like to say, and not a burden? And that's our question today. How is mission a grace, not a burden? And so for that, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 28. So if you have your Bibles or your phone, turn to Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to start in verse 16. A little bit of context as you turn to the passage. This is chapter 28 of 28 chapters. So this is the very end of Matthew's gospel of what he records of Jesus's life and his ministry. So these are the last recorded words of Christ before he ascends into heaven. The last thing he's going to say before he's gone. So I would say that these are probably very important words. The last of which Jesus gives. And also, it comes at the very end of the book. So even Matthew himself sees him as very important. This is what he's going to close his book with. So let's, let's start in Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. So Jesus has already lived a perfect life. He's already died on the cross for our sins. He's, rose in a, he's risen again. They've seen him in the flesh the last 40 days, and now he is right there in front of them on the mountain. Remember that when I read the next verse. Jesus is standing right there in front of them. Verse 17. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. But some doubted. I hope that's a great encouragement to some of you today. Some of you, you came in here, you're singing the songs, Behold our God, worthy is the Lamb, you're just worshipping. Other of you are kind of back, reserved, you're doubting. Jesus is fine with that. He can handle it. And he gives the same commission to all of us. Even those who doubt. Now, what else does it say? It's the 11 disciples. We think of the disciples as we know them at the end of the story. Guys who have been praying, people get healed, they pray, and angels come and rescue them from uh, jail. Or one guy even got to teleport somewhere. I mean, these are like superstar studs of the faith. But at this point, they're just disciples. Who are they? A couple of fishermen, a tax collector, most likely Mary, a former prostitute was there. So we're talking just like some normal people. Not your all-star team. So that's us. We're right there. We can see ourselves in this passage. Jesus giving them this great commission. So let's look at verse 18, the, the heart of it. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the first point that I would have for us of how mission is a grace, not a burden, is that mission is a grace because the gospel is its foundation. Mission is a grace because the gospel is its foundation. So if you were to have to take this and put this passage into like a tweetable 140 characters, post this on Twitter or Facebook, it would be verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That's kind of the heart of it. Go make disciples. So let's look at verse 19. It says, go, therefore. 
Now we know when we see it therefore, we need to think about it. What's it talking about? Go because of. Do this because of this. Because this is true, do this. Therefore. What is the therefore referencing to? Why do we go therefore? So look at verse 18. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So mission isn't a based, on, based on our abilities, on our good looks, on our great strategies. Remember, this is a ragtag group of people standing before the risen Savior. They can see him and even some still doubt. And he still gives them this great mission to go and make disciples. So mission is not based on us. It's based on the truth that Jesus lays out here, an amazing truth, that he has all authority. All of it, not some of it, not a little bit, not maybe here, not maybe there, but all authority. And where does he have this authority in heaven and on earth everywhere? He has all authority everywhere. He has it on earth in the physical realm. And we saw he stopped the storms. He healed the sick and he has it in the spiritual realm. He has the ability to forgive sins and to guarantee your salvation because he has authority everywhere. His authority is comprehensive. Now, because this is at the end of Matthew, I think that the therefore also references the other 27 and a half chapters. He's talking, go therefore all the things that you have seen and heard the last three years. And what have we seen and heard? We've seen Jesus' life and ministry. That John 1, 14, that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That the God of the universe incarnated in flesh and lived among us. Chose to live in a dusty backwater town of Nazareth. That he came, as Philippians 2 says, taking the form of a servant. Humility. That he came with compassion. Matthew 14. All he wants to do in Matthew 14 is get away for a little while, be with God, just reflect. And he's met with all these crowds. And he stays with them and he heals them throughout the evening. Amazing compassion. Isaiah 53, an amazing truth that the God of the universe suffers with us, that he takes our burdens and our sorrows and he takes our sins upon his own back. And so as we look at Jesus's life in ministry, it stirs up in us a love for this guy. A love for Jesus. Go, therefore, out of this love, as you've read Matthew 20, chapter 1 through 27. You stir up a love in your heart. Go, therefore, not out of duty, not out of obligation or burden, but out of a love for this Savior, that the King of the universe came. And also, Jesus' death and resurrection. Go, therefore, because of that. Ephesians 2 says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins in which we once walked according to the ways of this world, that we are children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, made us alive together with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly places, and that for all of eternity his greatest joy is to show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us who believe. That we've been saved by grace through faith, not of our own doing, but the gift of God. That Jesus has power over sin and death. Therefore, go out of that, not out of a sense of duty or obligation. So I don't have to say to you, hey, get on mission, people. You got stuff to do to earn your way. There's nothing to earn. Jesus has paid it all. Way of application for us in this first point that the gospel is the foundation is if you're a non-believer, if you don't know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you haven't accepted him as your forgiveness of sins. I would say this, fall in love with this amazing God 
who came to earth took all of your sorrow, all of your pain, all of your sin. There's nothing you have to do. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to do anything. But believe that he is who he says he is, that he has all authority in heaven and on earth, that you believe in him and receive forgiveness. If you're hurting today, all I want you to get out of this sermon today is that God is not a God distant and removed from your pain and suffering. He is a God who has chosen to enter in to your pain and to your suffering. That the God of the universe, Jesus Christ, knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to be thirsty. He knows what it's like to be betrayed, beaten, accused, spit upon, and killed. He understands your hurt. God suffers with you. Cling to him. And for the Christian, it's John 20, 21. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. We can go in the freedom and the form of Jesus. We can go in the freedom that Jesus provides because there's nothing we need to earn. And the form in which we go is that that we saw in Jesus, a humble servant, compassionate, suffering with people. The amazing truth of all authority in heaven and on earth being the foundation for our mission is that it addresses our fears, our trepidation that we have. They're washed away in Jesus' authority. Some people say, hey, that sounds great, but I don't really feel called. All the church at the time was there on the mountain, received this call. Some people say, hey, I'm not good enough. Yeah, but some doubted. Jesus got it. Some say it's too scary. I would say all authority in heaven on earth has been given to him. There's no power that man has over you greater than the power to kill you. And Jesus says, I have power over that. It no longer has power over you. Neither life nor death nor anything else in all creation shall separate you from the love of God. Romans 8. Some say, hey, it's too uncomfortable. You know, don't even start to talk about places that end in stand. It's a little too uncomfortable. I don't want to change the culture, language, you know, move my family, that kind of stuff. I kind of like what I got going on. Here's what I'd say to that. One, Jesus left heaven, perfect, to come to earth. Yeah. He's got that. Next, on a little bit of a lighter note. So, Bill and Christina Whitup, they're from Bethel. They've been in Vanuatu, island change in the South Pacific for the last 10 years. It took me five planes to get there. Five planes. 17-hour time change. I get there. I finally get there. What do I got to do again? Get in the back of a truck. Pickup truck. Ride in the back of a pickup truck through the jungle for half a day. Then I get in a small boat three hours across the ocean. Oh, finally get to the village. Walk a couple hundred yards. And what do I see nailed to a tree when I get into the village? The equivalent of a Verizon wireless sign. Okay, they have better cell service in Tuturu, Vanuatu than I have in Crown Point at my house. Okay, so... God's got you covered. All right? So you got it. All right, so all of our fears kind of wash away that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. The second point that I want to make is that mission is a grace because the task is a joy. Mission is a grace because the task is a joy. Let's look at the heart here of the task. Verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, and teaching them. So the, the Bible exegetes in the room will correctly say that the active verb in this passage is to make disciples. It seems like it's go, but it's make disciples. So that's the main thrust here of this passage, make disciples. And so you could accurately say, as you go, make disciples. 
And I like that because that helps all of us know that in our everyday course of life, as we go, we can make disciples. But I wouldn't end there because I think that falls a little bit short of the whole of the narrative of God's heart for the world. So what did we read in Psalm 67? We, we saw that God's heart, even from the beginning, was that the nations would be glad and sing for joy. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. God's heart is that all the nations would know. If we look at this passage, this event, in the other Gospels, we see a full perspective of this moment. So what does Mark say? He says, Mark 16, 15, Jesus says to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Jesus says in Acts 1, 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Luke 24, 46 and 47, Jesus says, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And so the heart of God is that all nations, every people, every tribe, tongue, and people would know that Jesus is Lord. That is his heart. So remember, I took all those plane rides and finally got to Kathmandu and then got to Harmony, Nepal. In December, I was there again with Thai Steaks, and we decided, hey, we got to go even deeper. So there's a village that we tried to get to in 2013 that we couldn't, to, couldn't get to. It was just too hard. So we got a better truck this time, and we did the three most backbreaking, hilariously difficult off-roading that I've ever done. And I'm from the country, so I've done a few times. And we finally get to this village called Bacek. And we're standing up on the plateau overlooking the Himalayan foothills. And we see, so that's three planes, two trucks, finally get there. And then I see even more villages off into the distance that no one has ever been to. The only way to get there is to walk there. And then I see right in front of me, Manislu, the eighth highest mountain in the world. On the other side of that mountain, a, high, a week's hike away, is more people that have never heard the name of Jesus before. And so, yes, we go. We pursue people because God pursued us. And if they're far away, I'm going far away so that they might know that Jesus saves, that he has all authority in heaven on earth. But right alongside that truth is also the truth that God so loved the steel worker that he sent one of his children to be a steel worker. That they too might know the love that's found in Christ. So we go, we pursue. What else do we do? We make disciples. Jesus gives us a two-part summary of what he means by make disciples. Baptize and teach. Now I take baptize as Jesus' way, shorthand, for belief and receiving forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. Now why do I believe that? Because baptism is the culmination of that journey to understand that Jesus is Lord and Savior. You confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you're saved. Then you get baptized, culminating that moment. So baptism there is Jesus's way of saying, go proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Mark 16, 15. And then we teach them all that Jesus has commanded. We teach them about this God that we have fallen in love with. We teach them about the God incarnate. And so a lot of people, they're like, yeah, I get that. That sounds cool, but yeah, it still kind of sounds like a burden. So how is this a joy? Because this Still sounds like more things that I have to do. 
What we're doing is proclaiming the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord. What do we do with good news? We happily, with joy, tell people about it. And so I was going to tell you the story of needing a new DVD player, because we do. Ours only works when it wants to work, and that's rarely when we want it to work. But someone else heard that story in the second service, and they gave me a brand new DVD player, so that's cool. So I was going to go to Best Buy later today, but it looks like I don't have to now. So let's say I go to Best Buy, I walk in the door, and the guy in the yellow shirt greets me, and he says, hey, I want you to go over to the TV section, and today only, to anyone who comes into the store, we're giving away a free 80-inch flat screen, flat panel, smart TV, ultra HD for free. Just go get it. What am I going to do with that good news? And that's pretty good news. Even if you don't like TV, you can sell that on eBay for a couple grand. So that's pretty good. Okay, what am I going to do with that good news? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take out my phone. I'm going to text all of you. I'm going to put it on Facebook. I'm going to put it on Twitter. I'm going to call people. Look, I don't care that you live five hours away. You've got to drive up here right now and get here. And then as I'm lugging this massive TV out to try to jam it into my Honda, I'm going to be yelling at all the people in the parking lot going to Bed Bath & Beyond and say, hey, you over there, you're going the wrong way. It's over here. It's in here. This is where it's at. And I'm going to do it with the greatest joy. Why? Because it feels good to tell people good news. You do it every day when you post those fun photos on Facebook. You want to tell other people good news because it's fun to share in it with other people. Because good news is good news. And so I don't say this to condemn you or to guilt trip you. I say this so that we might all, myself included, fall more in love with this God. Because how much greater than the news of a free TV is the news that the God of the universe came to earth to be a man, lived the perfect life in my place, died in my stead for my sin upon a Roman cross, was buried dead, rose again three days later to victory over death, and offers to any who would believe eternal relationship with the God of the universe. How much better is that good news? And so mission is a grace to us because the task is a joy. It's a joy to share that great news. And so what does that look like in our, in our everyday life? What does it look like to be on mission in our everyday life? I would say that for the majority of you, it looks like being faithful where you live, where you work, and where you play. Where you live, where you work, and where you play. So for my wife Julie and I, where we live, Crown Point, what do we do? Instead of playing in the backyard with our two-year-old Isaiah, we built a small brick patio in the front yard. We had to tear out those nasty bushes anyways. Built a nice brick patio. We got a little bistro set out there. We sit out there and our son plays in the yard. Now what happens because of that? That simple change from backyard to front yard. Our neighbors play in their front yard almost every night. So like five nights a week, we're just organically, naturally hanging out with our neighbors. Our kids are playing together. They're driving their Cadillac circles through my yard. And we're just hanging out. We also take walks around our neighborhood every night that it's nice. And we just, our goal is not mileage. Our goal is to talk to our neighbors when they're out. It's amazing. That's just simple things. Now, where you work, what does it look like? Be a humble, servant, compassionate, listening to your coworkers' hurts and pains. Loving them, serving them. And you guys talk about life with your coworkers, right? Talk about everyday normal life. I hope you do. 
I hope Jesus is a normal part of your everyday life. It doesn't have to be a gospel presentation where it's like, hey, you over there, lunch tomorrow. I'm sharing the gospel. Get ready. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Dust off that Bible. I know you got it. No, it's like in the everyday course of life, you're sharing about this person that you love naturally here and there. And then amazing things will happen. I mean, I, this literally happened to me. One day, I just eat lunch with the same people when I used to work at Arsenal Middle, the steel mill. I just ate lunch with them every day. I was present where I worked. One day, one of the guys, doesn't know Jesus, emails me and says, hey, can you come to my cubicle and explain to me what baptism means? Okay, if that ever happens to you, okay, that's a softball. You're supposed to knock it out of the park. <laughs> All right? But that normally doesn't happen. We need to pursue people. All right, live, work, and play. I hope you guys play. So my brother-in-law, Ryan, he lives in Indy. The way that he loves to exercise is to play basketball. So he goes to the local gym a couple nights a week to play basketball. That's what he likes to do. He loves basketball. But he also loves Jesus. And so in his natural conversation with these guys, he talks about his love for Christ. He invites them over for, to eat. They even had one guy live with them for a year who was struggling to make ends meet while he went to school. Julie and I used to play slow-pitch softball. That's fun. Meet a lot of people. Some of you guys are kicking it. I mean, you guys are doing it. We have something at Bethel called Host Family Program. We connect families here at Bethel with students from China that are going to Purdue Calumet. Here's what the families do. Text them, call them, take them shopping, have them out to eat, teach them what it's like to be an American, eat a lot of food on Thanksgiving, watch football, that kind of stuff. Okay? They love it. What's happened? Thirteen people from China have come to faith in Christ and been baptized right here at Bethel Church. So you're reaching the nations where you live, work, and play. Because what's the amazing truth? The amazing truth is that we go wherever these nations are and that God has brought a lot of them right here to us. That the city of Toronto has 82 unreached people groups that live there now. That's pretty cool. That if you were to come up to me after the service just in tears saying, I feel like God's calling me to the mission field. And I'm like, okay, where's he calling you? And you say, Yemen. Okay, in the Middle East, crazy place. I would say, I'm sorry, but I can't get you there. It's impossible. It's human missionary in Yemen. Or what I could say is you should have went two weeks ago with the youth when they went to Detroit, Michigan, and they hung out with all the Yemenis you can handle. Why? Because God has brought the nations right here to our door. And so wherever they are, if they're across the street, man, we're going across the street. If they're five flights away, two trucks and a boat, I'm doing that. So that they might know that Jesus is Lord some of you, some of you, God has been working in your heart. Some of you, God has been working in your heart. That he wants you to cross a language, cross a culture, cross an ocean. That somebody on that map would know Jesus as Lord and Savior. What I would say to you is let these truths resonate in your heart. That all your fears can be washed away. That all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. That it's not about you, how good you are, your abilities, whether you are good looking or not. It's about Christ. What I would say to you is get on your knees and pray that God would open your heart to receive that. And then come have a conversation with me. And we'd love to do everything we can to help you in that journey. With joy in my heart, I'll go with you wherever. There's not a place on this earth that if someone gave me a plane ticket, I would not go to share Jesus Christ with. Because man has no power over me that Jesus does not have greater power. So yeah, I'm going to go where it's dangerous. 
If they need Jesus, I'm going. All right, lastly, mission is a grace because we do it with Jesus. Mission is a grace because we do it with Jesus. What does the very last part of verse 20 say? And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus promises his presence with us as we're on mission, always. So Jesus and the Father were on a mission while he was on earth. Jesus says that I do what I see my Father doing. They're on mission together. So we had a ton of rain on Friday night. My yard completely flooded on Saturday. I mean, just a swamp, like for the fifth time this summer. Okay, total swamp. So I'm going over to my neighbor's house. I'm borrowing their little submersible pump so I can put it in the backyard and get that water out because it's starting to seep into my slab foundation. So, you know, we always tell you, like, try to serve your neighbors and that kind of stuff. I, I usually do the opposite. I'm just really needy, and it works, it works really well, okay? So I got one neighbor's shop vac, and then I got another neighbor's palm, so we're doing good. So um, I got it in the backyard, and I, I didn't move it around some more. And uh, so I look at my two-year-old Isaiah, and I say, hey, Isaiah, do you want to come out with Daddy and help? And he's like, yeah. So I pick him up in my arm. And I take them out there. So it's really wet and swampy. My feet are kind of getting stuck in the mud and it's wet and it's flipping up everywhere. And I'm trying to bend down and get the pump out of this spot and then put it in another spot all the, all the while holding Isaiah. He's helping out a lot. Okay. He's two. I don't know how much he knows about submersible pumps and stuff like that, but you know, he's asking me, what's this orange thing? It's an extension cord. You know, he's asking all these questions. I'm teaching him. Okay. Moving the pump. We go in the front yard. I'm still carrying. I'm getting tired. Checking the hose, make sure it's going to the sewer. Why did I go get my son? Because I like to be with him. Because I want him to come with me on this journey, this task that I had to do. He's not really that much help. Okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm basically doing everything. He's actually holding me down. Okay? God is on a mission to tell the world about his son Jesus, that he has all authority in heaven on earth. And he says, hey, you want to come with me? I'll hold you. You know what? I'll probably do all of the work and you'll just ask a lot of questions and learn more about me because I pretty much got this figured out and you're like a two-year-old. Okay? We get to do it with our Heavenly Father. That's an amazing truth, that we're on mission with him. Another amazing truth is that we're on mission together. As a community of people, you don't have to go alone. We go together. As a family, a community on mission. There's more people in the world today that love Jesus than have ever been in the world before. You have more teammates than you've ever had before. What does this mean for you? It means that you can find your niche. You don't have to reach all of those dots. You can pick one. Go after it, knowing that God's got all the rest of them covered. So what I like to tell people is, ask yourself this question. Who do I love? Who's God placed a burden for me to love? And to serve and to share Christ with. Go after those people. How can I insert myself into their rhythms? How can I be a missionary to them? Not making them come, but me going, pursuing them. And a lot of you guys are already doing it. Because one of the things that you guys can do to reach all the nations is to pray, to give, and some to go. Whether it's across the street or across the globe. So by praying, you guys are nailing it. I mean, it's awesome. Our missionaries love when we pray for them. 
It's such a blessing to them. You can give. Some of you guys, you guys have missionaries that you support by yourself. You, if you support Bethel, we support missionaries. You guys sponsor Children to Compassion or My Favorite Gospel for Asia. You're just getting after it. It's, it's tons of fun. I mean, it is just a blast. You guys are doing it. Get after it. Pray, give, go. You can go, whether it's across the street or around the world with me. Let's get after it. So let's review. Mission is a grace because the gospel is its foundation. Mission is a grace because the task is a joy. And mission is a grace because we do it with Jesus. What amazing truth that that is to us. It's not a burden or an obligation. It's something that we need to do. It's something that we get to do. A privilege to be on mission with the king of the universe. And I thank you for those who are getting after it. Let's keep going.